Let's pray again. Father, as we read your word, we ask for you to give us insight and understanding by your spirit that we would understand richly and deeply what it is you're saying to us here. And uh, so, Lord, have, have used the words of Scripture to, to change us and to work your will in our lives. Give us ears to hear and a heart to respond to you. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to read two Scripture passages today. One is uh, Psalm 51, and we're going to read the whole, I'm going to read the whole psalm. Uh, so, uh, this comes, this is a psalm that, if you read the, the, the heading on it, which is in the Hebrew version, the first verse, it tells us that, that this is something that David wrote uh, after, the, uh, after his affair with Bathsheba was exposed. And it's his repentance. Psalm 51. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to the great, your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquities and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you are proved right when you speak and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, Sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Surely you desire truth in the in, inner parts. You teach me wisdom in the inmost place. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of, my, of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will turn back to you. Save me from blood guilt, O God the God who saves me, and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise. You do not delight in sacrifice, or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. In your good pleasure, make Zion prosper. Build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then there will be righteous sacrifices, whole burnt offerings to delight you. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. The second passage comes from uh, Paul's second letter to Timothy. Um, it comes from its verses, I'll be reading verses 22 through 26. 2 Timothy verse, uh, chapter 2. Flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments because you know they produce quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not quarrel 
Instead, he must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. Those who oppose him, must, he must gently instruct in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth, and that they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. This is God's word. So I'm embarking on a new series of sermons uh, some on a topic that I've been interested in and thinking about a bit. Um, and it's, it's about, it has to do with something I, I think I've written about a little bit for you all. It has to do with this sort of sense that we live our, li- our, our faith out in, in time. In, 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 and there is a kind of a past tense version of our faith and a present tense version and a future tense. And I just want us to think some about dealing with our past, living our faith today in, in, in light of the fact that we all have pasts. We all have a past. Um, and the older we are, the more past we have, right? And, and the fact is that, that we have to make peace with that past because we can't directly affect it. You know, I can't go back and, and relive my life up to this point. That's all done. It's, uh, it's set. You know, so, so we, but we've got to deal with that. And, and the fact is God's given us some tools that enable us to, uh, to do something about the past. We can't change the, the narrative. We can't change the details of what our past is, is. But we can change how it affects us and what it means to us. And God gives us tools for that. Ways in which we can, we can actually alter the meaning of the past part of our lives. As I say, we can't change it. I can't go back and live it over again in a different way. It's done. It's set in that sense. The story is there. The narrative is laid out. What happened, happened. What I did, I did. And I can't go and undo things directly. I can't change it. But I can change what it means. I can change how it affects me today. And you can too. You can change the effect your past has on your present and on your future. And God's given us some, some tools for doing that. We're going to look at some of those. And today we're going to look at one that is, is the term shows up. Psalm 51 is David doing it. Uh, Paul uses the word for it in, in 2 Timothy. The word is repentance. It's a very, it's sort of a, kind of an old-fashioned word. And it's also a word that we don't actually use a lot in ordinary, everyday life, right? I mean, we don't use it outside, typically, outside the context of a faith life. I think it's kind of one of those religious words, right? Uh, we may do it, you know, you might do it at least in, in some sense, in a very secular way. You might change your mind about something you've done, but, but it really has much more to do with it, it is a, a spiritual term. It has to do with a spiritual activity. As, a, as Christians, we would understand it to have to do with our relationship with God in terms of how we've lived our lives in the past. There, there are two standard words for this in, in the Hebrew of the Old Testament and in the Greek of the New Testament. Um, and they both are very similar. The Old Testament word is really... Uh, concrete and, and very tangible. It's very, very, that's kind of the way that the Hebrew mindset was. It's very 
simple and concrete, and it's just the word for turning. It's literally the same word that you, know, you would use saying turn left at the first intersection, and, and that's the word it is in Hebrew. Repentance is literally simply just the word for turning. But it, and it, and it can have a physical meaning, you know, in terms of how we just physically go about living, but, it, but it, it's meant to have also a kind of a, a spiritual reality, that there's a turning in our being, in our minds, that we turn in a different direction. In the, in the Greek New Testament, they, they use a Greek word that's uh, a little bit more philosophical. It means to change your mind, though. It, it's a turning of your mind. So it really does, both terms really refer to that sense of change, of turning, of altering something about ourselves. And, and, and I want to sort of explore that a little bit. It, it has to do often with how we understand how we have lived in the past and, and dealing with those past things. Paul raises some of those things right at the beginning of that passage I read from when he's addressing Timothy and he says, flee from, from the, the evil desires of youth. Um, and it, what all of us as we get older realize is that evil desires are not limited to youth, right? Um, we continue to, to wrestle with them. Um, in some sense, you know, what he's sort of, what, what it makes this more generally applicable is he's saying those, those desires that come from before, from before, from who we have been, not who we are going to be. But we always, we still have them. We still wrestle with those, those desires that want to lead us somewhere else. And so you heard in the catechism there that we did, there is, there's this two-part sense about repentance. There's a, a, a turning away from and a turning toward. So it's not just rejecting evil, but it really is, an, a, is a turning of our lives away from what's wrong and turning them toward God, toward where God is and where we, God is, wants us to be and wants us to be going. Now we can, we can these, these, these past things in our lives, these past regrets can prey on our minds and our hearts. And they can torment us. And the devil uses them in our, to, to do that to us. Again, Paul raises that topic at the end of the passage when he talks about the snares or the trap of the devil. That that's what he does. Satan takes those, those things in our past which we have done which are wrong and which our, we have come to understand to be wrong and uses them to prey on us and to, to trap us, to chain us down to who we have been. One of the messages we can get is that this is who you are. Look at that, what you did then. And that's who you are. And you will not ever be different. It's a, it's a linking up, not only of what we do, but who we are. So it, it's a, it, it sort of bundles up a sense of guilt which tells us that we have done wrong and shame which tells us that we are ourselves somehow broken and no good. That our behavior was bad and we ourselves are bad. And that we get snared and tangled up in that. And then a lot of our, that it, then, then, then that the, the, the badness that that, the, that past represents continues to chain us down into the future. So repentance is meant to set us free from that. God has given us repentance as a tool to cut those chains off and to leave the past in the past 
so that it is no longer defining who we are. Those regrettable things that we have lived out, those regrettable patterns of behavior, those things that really are wrong, don't have to define us into the future. And repentance is the way of cutting those chains off. It involves, Paul says here, in, in, uh, toward, in that last part of the passage, where he really begins to talk about that, he says that, that you would instruct them in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to knowledge. Repentance involves, first of all, a kind of a change of knowledge. And I, I want to tell you that I think that an important way to understand knowledge is that it, it, knowledge is voluntary. Knowledge is a, an act of the will. We have to acknowledge it. We have to agree that it is true. That's what knowledge is. It is the, the agreement that something is true. Um, one of the things that I read a study recently about, especially in light of uh, social media blasts, attempts to, you know, especially coming out of the political season, where we have, here's, here's the truth. Here's a, some point of view. And what social scientists are finding is that the number of people who actually change their mind on the basis of something they've read somewhere, even not just in social media, but even in the more general media, it's very low. It's not because the facts aren't the facts, it's because we're not willing to, to, to alter who we under, what we understand and how we look at the world in light of things. Because there's a voluntariness about knowledge. Facts only become truth to us if we acknowledge them to be that. So there's, that's what this, the, the Greek word for, for repentance means. It means a willingness to alter your mind. And being able to look back at our own lives and recognize that our behavior and our pattern of life at some point was wrong is not just a fact that is undeniable. It always means it is a, it's a, it's a, re, a reality that we have to acknowledge to be what it is. That there is something in my past that is wrong. That was wrong. And, it, and for me to be able to name it as that and say that was not right. That was not, a, that was not goodness. It was wrong. That's the first part of the process of repentance. It's the, the ability to look at our lives and to distinguish when we have done well and when we have done poorly when we have behaved rightly and when we have behaved badly. It's, it's an important step to being set free. To be able to look at our past and say, I did not do well then. I'm give you an analogy, and this may flop over into something I'm going to talk about in the future weeks, but one of the things that I, uh, I, I, don't, uh, I did, uh, try, have tried to do as a parent is, is to apologize to my kids when I've done something wrong. Which was not, I, my father was a, not a, it was a good man, it was a good father, but that was not part of his generation, I think, uh, way of dealing with things, and I don't remember being him saying, I'm sorry about that, was a bad thing. Uh, what I know for sure is that he never heard it from his father either. But I tried to do it, and one of the reasons I tried to I wanted to do that all the time was that I did not want to burden my kids with the necessity of honoring me in bad behavior. The you know, scriptures call us to honor our parents, but the fact is that sometimes our parents do things that are not honorable. 
Our, parent, our parents are no worse than us. This is just what human beings do. Human beings don't always behave honorably. We sometimes behave badly. All people, all human beings, sometimes behave badly. What I wanted to, to do for my kids was to sort of label bad behavior that I have done and saying, that does not require honor. We're going to set that aside. What we need to do is be able to do that in our own lives, to be able to look at our, our own lives and to recognize those things in our lives that were not good and to know them as that, to recognize that in the eyes of God, that piece of my life, that, that pattern of living, that way of acting, those words I used there, the way I treated that person or the, the goals that I were, was pursuing at that moment in my life are wrong. And they were taking me in the wrong direction. And I don't want them to have any more power to define my life. So I'm going to name them for what they are. They are wrong. That's, that's the key first step of, of repentance is to do that, to name this as, a, as wrong. So we need to be able to reflect on our lives. We don't want to be trapped in the past, but in order to be free from the past, we have to put, spend some time thinking about the life that we have lived in the past. And to be able to define what is not right, where I don't want to be defining my direction of life, say this is wrong, to know it and to acknowledge it. And to say that, I'm turning away from that. This goes on all our lives, you know, because we grow in wisdom, we grow in understanding, and what I can understand about my past today is I, I believe and I thank God is probably better, I'm better able today to do that than I was 10 years ago or 20 years ago. God willing, I have grown in wisdom, I have grown in understanding, I've been able to think more clearly in the eyes of God about my life. And to be able to say, I now see that part of my life to be something I want to turn away from. And that's repentance. And it sets us free. It sets us free from our past in important ways. So that, that our past doesn't have to define us anymore. We can, we can decide that that is not going to be who I am anymore. So we need to be able to look at our past in that way. To be able to look at it through God's eyes. And to see our past as God sees it. And to be able to turn from it. But repentance is not just a turning away from something. It's not just a negative. I'm rejecting that. But it's a turning toward so that my life more and more is defined by something else. So I, I recognize where I have been living away from God. And I decide to turn back toward God in that part of my life and other parts so that I'm pursuing God. Paul lays that out at the first part of this passage where he says, to flee away from what is bad and to pursue God. That's the, the first verse that I read, 22. Flee from the evil desires of youth, the negative, the positive. Pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace. That's repentance. It's turning away from and turning toward God. And the deeper and richer our knowledge of God is, the more able we are to do that. The more we understand where God is and how to turn toward Him. And repentance is that. It, is, it isn't just the negative of rejecting the, the wrong, 
but it's the positive of pursuing God. So repentance ultimately is about that. It's about pursuing the things of God. And it's a thing God wants to help us with because he wants us to be set free. He doesn't want us to be locked up in our past, but to be able to live toward being the people he has designed us to be. He wants you to be the person he has made you for. And he wants you to be free to do that. And repentance is that. So it, it requires some time and, and some reflection. Um, that's one of the reasons why it's so important to set that, to, to have that in your life. That's why it's so important to have time regularly, daily, but certainly regularly, where you're able to, to allow God to walk you through your life, to walk you through your past prayerfully, so that he can set you up for a future that is defined by his goodness and love and mercy and his character. In order to have that future lived in God's plan for you, you need to also understand where you've come from and what, needs to be turned, what you need to turn away from. Now, you need time like that. And, and our culture doesn't encourage it. Our, we are a uh, just do, 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 busy, busy, schedule, schedule. And, and we are not encouraged to spend time quietly reflecting, allowing God to walk us through our past and to walk us in the direction of the future he wants for us. But you need to do that. You need to have that time. You need to spend time doing that. You need to spend time prayerfully before God, reflecting on where your life has been and where God wants it to take it. Otherwise, you're going to be trapped in that past forever. Repentance is God's way of setting you free from it. So I want to encourage you to, to do that. So if you want a homework, I'm not going to ask you to turn it in, but, um, but if that's, that's your homework, is to begin to do that and spend some time this week reflecting on those parts of your life that he's calling you to turn away from so that you're able to turn toward him and to live that path in the direction of his life. You see that pattern in, in Psalm 51. David is not only talking about where he has been, but where God wants to take him. And, and I want, that's repentance is that. It, it's, it's not just past, it's past into the future. I want you to be those people that God's making, designed you to be. The, the, the people that God has a vision for you to be. So you need to do this. Father, we need your help. We need you to help us to be a repentant people and to understand that repentance as a joyful thing, a thing that sets us on a path toward the joy of, uh, of life, of the, of the kind of life that you have made us for. Set us free from those things in the past that the devil wants to chain us up to. Cut those chains and set us free to live into the future you have for us. We might experience that richness, that joy, that fullness of life that you have made us for. And thank you, Lord, that you promise to do this with us and through us and in us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.